Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and with me in the studio, I have Pat Woods from Nottingham, and he's been in Taiwan for nine years. He's now with Kongzhong uh, Meiyu, which is AMC, or rather, sort of like a English uh, magazine. That's uh, right. Teaching magazine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the chief English editor of that, and Pat is also a long-term member of Taipei Writers Group. Well, hi, Pat. Hi, Shirley. Yes, good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Great. Well, you're most welcome. And so you've been here in Taiwan for nine years. Yeah, that's it'll be nine nine years this May. This May. Okay, that's very soon. So actually, there's a a, a very interesting story about why you're here in Taiwan. But、uh, before we get to that, though,、mm-hmm. we're going to start off with you telling a story that has made an impact on you. Okay. So this happened. Uh, probably about six years ago now, while I was living in Jonghe,、mm-hmm. and it was a, a Sunday afternoon, nothing particularly special. My girlfriend, I think she was then girlfriend, or I can't remember if she was fiance by then, but we went out just to get some lunch from a local noodle stand on the street. And as I was walking along, I saw in front of me. Uh, a red envelope, a hongbao, lying on the floor. Yes, usually red envelopes or red packets. There, they they fill with cash. That's right, and, and I, that that is all、yeah. I knew of them. I'd been in Taiwan a few years by then, and I was I got the idea from、uh, my cram school where I was working、right. that when we were given a, a bonus or at the end of the year or a birthday little bonus or a Lunar New Year, yeah,、holiday. it would yeah. it would come in a red envelope. Right, so. I thought there's a red envelope on the floor, but it's nowhere near Chinese New Year. That's kind of curious. But Z, her name is Z, basically said, "Don't go near it. Don't pick it up. Certainly, don't pick it up. Don't even step over it. Don't step on it. Basically, walk around it as far as we can, like out onto the road." Away from the sidewalk, you know, just completely leave it alone. And I said, "Okay,、uh, because、why? usually it means good luck, right? You、that's, think that there's that's cash." That's what I thought, <laughs> and I said, "Why?" So she explained to me that it was an old,、uh, very old custom, not too commonly seen these days in Taiwan, but it was probably or possibly for a ghost marriage to get a daughter of a family who died unmarried. And to get them in a ghost marriage, so that their their spirits, their ghosts, will be looked after in the afterlife by a living husband.、Oh. If I picked it up, it was almost agreeing to a marriage. There'd be some more kind of contract stuff, and there'd be a, maybe a bit of back and forth. But essentially, I was kind of agreeing to marry this ghost、uh, and take care of her spirit. And I thought that is、uh, an absolutely fantastic piece of. Kind of superstition, like、uh, <laughs> cultural kind of belief that I'd never heard of,、uh, and I thought w- because I'd been writing my own stories just by myself for a few years, and I thought I have to write that story one day. I have to write a story about an expat who picks one of these up, <laughs> having no idea what it means,、mm. uh, you know, not having a, a girlfriend or whatever to warn him. And just how he deals with this particular situation of agreeing to marry a ghost. So, did you write it? I have. Yes, I wrote it a few years later,、uh, uh-huh. and it's now been published. 
in one of the the Taipei Writers Group books, which we might talk about a bit later. Yes, we will. Um, it, but it was just it was just such a I've never been struck by such a, a definite idea of I must write this story, <laughs> you know, apart from that. And it just sat there in my brain for a few years and kind of grew like a, you know, like a little flower seed <laughs> in my in the soil of my mind. And then uh, and it was just a really fascinating idea to then learn more about the superstitions around that and the beliefs and how it's connected to the family altar and the i think it's pronounced highway Uh like spirit tablets that people have and and there's so much more about it to to learn and to research and to find out about that is interesting you know i just realized i'm just as foreign as you are because it's my first time learning what that really meant i mean you know my background because i've never really been educated in taiwan i never really went to school here i kind of knew about it I thought I saw something like in a play before mm. and I didn't quite get what it was until now your explanation was just perfect. <laughs> well, I, so. I had to I had to make sure I did my research, you know, yes. kind of talking to, to people to get different ideas about what it means. And if you do this, what does that mean? And uh, there's even something where they might have a relative watching it and they will have two 10 NT pieces that they will kind of almost flip or toss like tossing coins. Oh. And like the uh, those... Uh, Buddha smiles in the temples if they come up heads and tails yeah, those... that kind of means that the ghost is agreeing like yep that's the one he, I can marry him I was just thinking what if that was really a red envelope it's not in one of those ghost it's not a ghost marriage if it marriage was real envelope. then, I, no, then right? my girlfriend talked me out of picking up you know a few hundred dollars or thousand dollars or something in payment for not picking that up I got to learn about this superstition <laughs> so I think I'm richer for that I guess better be safe than sorry I suppose. absolutely yes <laughs> Well, considering that when you first came to Taiwan, I didn't know anything about this country. Nope. And let alone speaking the language. No, I, I know, couldn't I really think, speak any words yeah. of Chinese before I came here. I learned how to use chopsticks, but that was about as far as I'd got. Tell me, I mean, how did you end? Mm, no. What brought me to Taiwan? Yes, what what pulled me to Taiwan? Yes, what pulled you here? Okay, so this takes us back into around 2007 when I was working for a pharmaceutical company in my hometown in Nottingham. Uh, and I'd been working there maybe three years. I was in a nice apartment in my hometown. My family were close, a lot of friends around. You know, I was members of a a couple of theatre groups. I was getting the chance to see my sports teams, my my football team, my cricket team play regularly. Everything was fairly content. Then my company said they were going to move the R&D part, which I was in, to another smaller town in the UK. And I didn't really want to go because the company was okay. It could have been better. And I really enjoyed my life. They also said, if you don't want to go for personal reasons, we will give you voluntary redundancy, which means you will get paid, you know, maybe a month or six weeks of salary if you decide not to go. And at that point, I was single. I didn't own a house. I didn't own a car. And I was about to have no job. Uh, So it seemed that this would be a good time to try an adventure. And a few of my friends, I had one friend had taught in China, one in Europe, one at that time was teaching in Japan. And they talked about how much fun they'd had abroad and how interesting it was to live overseas. And a few of my co-workers at that time had lived in Germany for a few years 
uh, for working for the company. They all had these stories about how different the culture was and what they'd learned. They could speak more German. And I just thought, okay, I, I would really like to live abroad. And now's my chance because I'm not going to have anything in England to keep me here. Mm. I could go and teach English abroad for a year or two and see where it takes me. So I did an online course to learn uh, the basics of the grammar, teaching methods. There was some live practice. And How long was that program? It wasn't very long. You did a full weekend of kind of live teacher training and you did maybe about 100 hours maybe of computer assisted uh -huh. learning. It wasn't an accredited course like a like a CELTA it wasn't anything fancy like that but this course did have the advantage that it would give anybody who took it their first teaching placement overseas so if you pass the course and they were happy you could choose from a list of countries and they would use their contacts to set you up with a school and that was great for me because that meant I wouldn't have had to do any of the hard work of actually finding a job sure I'd get sent to one and so I had a list of countries uh, and I started to kind of eliminate them. I didn't want to go anywhere in Europe because I was from Europe and I didn't didn't feel like I wanted to go somewhere so close. Yep. I wanted to go far away. You know, one country I thought, no, I don't really fancy it there. And I came down to a choice of three, which was South Korea, Ecuador and Taiwan. Mm. And so I decided to look at a lot of blogs other things from expat teachers who lived abroad, and Taiwan got by far the best write-ups. People were most positive about Taiwan, more positive than than Korea or Ecuador. Oh, uh, everyone, you know, it was almost universal how much people had enjoyed living here and stayed here a long time. So I thought, okay, that's that's the place for me. Then I will go there and start yeah. there. You're listening to In the Spotlight. With Shirley Lin. By the way, did you ever make it to South Korea and Ecuador just to visit? No, I have not. <laughs> South Korea obviously is nice and close, so yes. we we could eventually one day we right? could take it. Yeah, my wife's been there. I could take a trip there uh, fairly easily. Uh, why um, did you think of Ecuador? It just seemed interesting. Okay. And the one thing I was determined to do on leaving the cold, wet, rainy, horrible oh. UK was to go somewhere where it would actually be hot more often than not. So Ecuador was going to be pretty warm all year round. Taiwan well, is warm most of the year. <laughs> well, I guess you're getting used to the, uh, the dampness here, though. Yeah, I mean, the first summer, I got here in May, so it was very quickly getting hot and humid. Uh, I yes, really humidity. wasn't used to that kind of uh -huh. weather. So it was that that first summer was pretty painful for me. But <laughs> I've quickly adapted to the point where I really enjoy the hot summers uh, and I can't stand anything below like 15 degrees. So um, you came here mm -hmm. and uh, you fell in love right away, I suppose. Uh, with Taiwan with the, or with a, a well, particular person? Uh, before a particular person. Mm. The food, the living condition, the, the Yeah, the, it the took me a while to settle in. I was the lucky. Job. There were some really cool, helpful people at the school I was at. They, were, they made me feel very welcome. I was teaching adults, which I found quite lucky. For that first year, I was working quite a lot and I don't think in my head I'd form the attachment that I have now hmm. so I did come to a decision at the end of my first year contract should I go should I stay and I felt if I went 
I would not done a lot of things because I've been you work six days a week and so on. You, you don't, haven't really traveled. Yeah, right, I'd at been that to uh, th- by then. I'd been to Kanding and I'd been to uh, Taroko Gorge and I'd been to Geelong, maybe one or two other places. But it seemed there was still a lot more I could do. And sure. if I was in my second year and not worrying so much about the teaching side it would be easier for me to then explore and kind of learn more about the country and the culture without having to concentrate on the job. So you decided to stay another year. I did, yeah. Yeah. And at the start of my second year, I met somebody and we've now been together almost eight years. What have you discovered about Taiwan? What have I discovered about Taiwan? Uh, I've discovered it's it's the good a and bad. <laughs> fun place to live. I mean, the good things are more related to the people I've met here and the kind of freedom you get uh, and this is taking a, maybe a little advantage of the expat status. Yeah. You, you do have, you feel like there are more avenues available to you to pursue things you want to pursue. We can make a fairly good living here without having to work as hard as the local Taiwanese people have to do, which gives us more opportunity to pursue creative things and fun things and live it a little bit easier. Interesting contradictions, obviously, from my story earlier. You can tell that I'm interested in some of the the more sort of superstitious and unusual nature of some of the cultural, just some of the strange things. And there like, is a like lot what? of... Well, another another thing that I have really literally just finished writing about for another short story is uh, a practice that my wife and a lot of other people I've met have of when they stay at a hotel or a house that is not theirs, before they go into the room, they will knock on the door and kind of speak under their breath to any ghost that might happen to be living in that room. You're really learning a lot about And ask this. them to leave before they stay for a few nights. And that is also a fascinating thing, as well as the, it's called a shoujing. Shoujing, yeah. yeah. Ritual mm. at the temples with the ladies with the, the incense yes. sticks. It's a ritual that... to kind of like chase the ghosts, the, exactly. the spirits away. So, you know, things like that. But yet this country is also fantastically technologically advanced. Everything is geared towards making things accessible and convenient, a lot of technological industry. So there's this kind of great drive to kind of produce things and to develop new things and to find more interesting technological efficiencies, while at the background there's this kind of underpinning of sort of tradition and some superstition and and ritual beliefs. Next week, I'll be talking more with Pat Woods about what else he's learned about Taiwan's traditions and superstitions. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin.